Hi, guys. Hey. Good to see you. Hey. I just got here. You guys were training. We were yeah, with a outside. rope. Outside with the rope. We were outside with the rope. We what, had what, it was hooked up to something different. It wasn't around a tree. Right. So what we did was we took two kettlebells. One was 18 pounds. One was 27 pounds. So we had enough weight, kind of. I had to hold them a little bit. But I had Matt doing different variations on the battle rope. Everybody look up a battle rope if you need to. And, um, yeah, it was great. And then I had him dragging them, like pulling the weights on the end of it, which was awesome. And before that, we had got into some, like, kettlebell complexes and some steel mace complexes. It was hard, and it was warm out. Yeah, it was nice. It was good. When you train people, how much of it at this point is planned and how much is improvised? And I ask because I know I've been teaching drum lessons for probably 10 years now, and when I started, I always had a couple things in mind because I just wanted to be prepared. But now I never have things planned. And I just sometimes will jam and then I'll kind of assess, okay, we could work on this. Um, but I just feel it out and trust my intuition. With training sessions, it definitely depends on the person. And it depends why they're there and what their goals are. So let's throw some hypotheticals. Let's say... Person A comes and they're training for uh, strength specifically. They just want to be stronger. Then we're going to have to have a pretty dedicated, specific modality of training. It's going to have to be centered around what would make sense lifting-wise that would build strength. Let's say they want to have a mixture of better endurance, just feeling better overall, more mental clarity, they also want a little bit of strength, but they, want, they also want to shape their muscles so they look good naked, which is mostly Matt's version. So what we'll do... Yeah, Matt, I'm not as concerned with looking good naked, though. No? I mean, I yeah, mean, I it's think, a byproduct. I think that's a, that's a cool product. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, okay, maybe not look good naked, but you're just going to... Dude, I'm a hairy Jew. All right, so you'll... So there's no hope. How about, how about doing these things so you feel better Yeah. overall? Yeah, absolutely. Overall, I just want to clarify: there's no hope. Okay, I mean that's fair. You're but you, a hairy oh, Jew, and there's no hope. Yeah, that may be the most true thing you've said so far. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay, so that's solid. So, so for Matt, for example, who wants a little bit of everything, we'll start off with strength training while he is getting warmed up, and then once he's warm, obviously we can get him warm and then put him into something that gets him building strength. And then from there, as we're kind of cooling down with whatever that big move is, like a bench press or a squat or a deadlift, then we'll have him go into more of building the muscle instead of just the strength and kind of doing muscle endurance as well, which means that we'll just do more reps, you know, somewhere in like an eight to 12 range. And that's been more recent. And I feel like that's working well with Matt and he enjoys it. What did we do the other night with the bench? Because we were, I mean, we, we started off with high reps, and then we went to heavy weight. Well, I think what, what we did was we wanted to do enough repetitions initially to get warm. Mm. So we did the bar, which is 45 pounds generally, for a set of 10. We went up a little bit. We did another set of 10. We went up a little bit. Maybe we did a set of five, then maybe a set of three. Then once his body was super warmed up, then we really pushed the weight to where he was doing between four and six reps. And that really gets you in the strength category of building strength. And we got Matt up to 205, which for Matt, that's, that's probably the heaviest we've ever gone together. And he did three sets, which is very classic, of he did six reps, which is great. 
like the upper echelon of building strength, which is awesome. 205 Live. 205 Live. So since you've been training, Matt, have you noticed a change in your endurance when you perform? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Performing is much easier when <clears throat> I work out consistently, specifically on show days before the show. Uh, but I did find um, on this last tour, I found that the best thing to do before a show was was like the 4-6, which... Uh, Break down the 4-6. So the 4-6 is a workout that Justin and I put together, mainly Justin, and kind of tested it with me. Um, but it's this, it's a workout program that, uh, you can do anywhere, anytime, eight to 10 minutes at most is what it's going to take you. You're going to feel really, really good. It's, it's an incredible, you know, pump and burn for the amount of time, full body. So basically the, why it's called four, six is you have four warm ups that you do that are 30 seconds long. So. They could be jumping jacks or butt kickers high or knees. high knees or running in place yeah, or mountain climbers, stretches, just stuff to get warm. And those four exercises are 30 seconds and you do them consecutively as quick as you can. And then you do six one minute combination of six body weight exercises. So you would do like squats and then push ups and then maybe some burpees or some lunges or sit ups, sit ups and stuff like that. But so on tour, if I did four six one time, uh, about two hours before I went on stage, that was like the perfect, the perfect thing to do for my endurance, for my heart rate, for my breathing, for sweating, for just everything. It was great. I was really in control of the show, and those were always the best shows. I did find that if I did more intense workouts before shows, then I was actually a little taxed on would, stage. Would make sense. You know, like when I would do. Uh, let's say four, six, and then eight battle rope exercises. Like if, if I ate well that day and I was really hydrated and I slept well, then I could still have a good show. But if I, if any one of those other pieces wasn't, you know, to the right level, then it would affect the way I play. I wouldn't be more tired necessarily or, or like out of breath. I just didn't feel as like energetic, if that makes sense. But think about anything like that. So the other day you came over here to train, and generally the second part after we do, let's say Matt always comes generally for about an hour, let's say about the first half, 30 minutes, is the strength training or it's shaping the muscle, going for muscle endurance. Then we'll get into some sort of a routine where we'll mix in the big move that we were doing before, so like the bench, and then we'll mix in other things that kind of revolve around the accessory muscles of that. But we'll do like you know, we'll do for rounds. So you'll go one to one to one to one to one, and then you'll start the next round over. And let's say most are like set of tens. The other night when we were getting into that, you realized that something was off. Mm. And it was classic. It was, you drank coffee all day long. You didn't really have enough water. You were feeling super dehydrated. Yeah. And then as you're going through it, you're like, you were just feeling super off. I was just like on edge. Like I, I was got, like that yesterday too because of coffee. I yeah. could get through the workout I, like we got through it. We ended I up just, getting through it, but it, it was like I was saying. I think initially I had proposed four or five rounds, and then about one or one and a half rounds in, we decided let's just finish the three rounds because mm -hmm. you were feeling off. And as soon as we went upstairs, and you got water and a little bit of sugar in you, and kind of took the depleted stores and filled them back up, you were like, okay, now let's get into some work and do something else. And you were feeling okay. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think I've I've definitely learned 
more about my body, like you asked about my show. Like if I if I work out, do I feel a difference? What I what I do know now is when there's changes in my body, mm-hmm. I know. Like I can tell when I don't have enough water now, or when I've had too much of something, or when I need sugar. Let's say. Um, it's. I mean, I'm sure everybody can figure this stuff out or, or already feels this way. But like, I know when I need like bread. Yeah, I was like gonna I, say. Like I, I was gonna say. Let's swap for for people who are not maybe aware from a nutrition standpoint. If your body is feeling super depleted, you didn't sleep well, you drank too much coffee, and you're feeling really dehydrated, and then your energy stores are down, the first thing you're going to grab is carbohydrates in whatever form. Bread being a really simple form, so you'll get your energy pretty quickly. But, but I don't think about it in terms of that. I think about it in terms of, like, I want something that's going to really, like, soak up whatever stuff is bothering my stomach. Like, if I have, like... I don't know. There's just certain times when it's like, man, all I want is like a sandwich with bread because I want to feel more whole and like comfortable and warm in my belly, if that makes sense. That's interesting. That's probably psychological. But so Justin, being a student of nutrition, can probably go more into the science of what's happening internally. But I think what's more important is that you just know your body. You pay attention to what works and what doesn't. And it's kind of like you said with the the working out now, it's more of a consistent thing for you when you're on tour specifically. And you're realizing sometimes if you do too much prior to the show, then it won't necessarily help you. Mm -hmm. And if you do a good amount of exercising before, then it does add to your performance. And this is what we've been talking about since episode one of just paying attention and iterating. So whether it's exercising specifically to warm your body up for a show or just paying attention to routines that work for us, relationships that work or don't for us, nutrition, whatever it may be. I think the idea is that you're just paying attention and mm-hmm. flexible enough to, to say this works, this doesn't, this feels good, this doesn't. Let me, let me tweak it and then see again. Just real quick to respond to that. Yeah. It, is, it, it can be a little frustrating, though. Just if anybody is going through this kind of thing, too, where you're making iterations to your life, or things you're doing, it is frustrating because I want to do the big workout every day. I love doing more of that, especially on tour, because I like that's what I look forward to after I do all this, like the heavy work throughout the beginning of the day. Mm-hmm. When I have that little, you know, hour window to to do something that's going to make me feel good physically and, and mentally, I want to do as much as I can. So. It comes back to what we've talked about before, which is priorities. As much as I want to do the harder workout, which maybe you could argue in time would make me even more conditioned to play the show. I would just have to go through this period where like my shows are kind of sucking because I'm not there yet. That's possible. But right now, since it's, I'm on tour right now, I need to play the best shows I can. So that takes priority. And what ends up happening is I have to do the shorter workout instead of the longer one. And I guess just my point is that it's kind of annoying. And I end up really trying to work extra hard in the in like the four six to the point where it's like, okay, I got through this. This was really easy. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I'm like pushing extra hard to to get it done in that moment. But and, reali- and realizing that you're only gonna do one round, you're not saving much for anything else. And you and it, and as long as you're doing it two hours out, although you didn't really get into you also do a warm up that includes at least a double kick pedal, right? It does, but that's the thing. Like, that's like because I I love the what we can do with the four six, but 
I just want to be personally like I want to do it twice. I want to do it three times, and that's what I would do if I was home, you know, or we would do a, you know some kind of workout. But um, on tour, I just I have to respect the show. So the point right. is, even when you're making iterations to things and changing things, it's not necessarily about what you want. I think it's based on the priority and then being disciplined with that, you know. Yeah, you got to find not that overworking. Again. Yeah, and which, it's, is, which oh. is another theme, obviously, of just like balancing out your life, balancing out your priorities, balancing out for you, you really want to make this a priority. But I think this goes back to a point yesterday, and I have two bass player quotes in mind, or just thoughts. Number one, going back to Gene Simmons yesterday, yeah. what you could do when you're home, because you will get off of this next tour, you're about to leave in a couple of days for the European tour, and this is, you know, as soon as when this comes out, Matt will be on the European tour. But what you could do while you're home, let's say, this summer is do the four, six a couple times and then go play maybe five songs and build up your endurance from doing one to the other so that it's actually a practical usage of what you're going to be doing Mm -hmm. if you really want to get that down. And that's the whole idea of if you're the best sprinter in the world and you do it when the lights shine brightest, you turn on. But will you be the guy who's out there trying to beat your score by one second the day you come home and nobody's watching you and you could yeah. be doing this when there are no lights. Totally. And I will. I mean, that's why we're working out this one week that I'm home as much as we can. And yeah. The days that I haven't been here with you, I'm doing the four, six at home. Right. Or, you know, I'm pulling out my own ropes that I have. Yeah. So no, you, you hit, you, we saw each other the two days before you're getting home and you're like, I'm probably going to need a day to decompress, which for you is not, real so you're like oh you guys want to do stuff on that sunday when you got back yeah I got and back you told and me you're like i'm free i want to work out every day and i'm like all right let's figure it out and i knew i had so much going on because the school semester's winding down and other priorities but i know you're only home for a week and i know you're super into this and i love working with you so it's like well let's try to make that a reality let's work every day um yeah and what's cool is that i think i turned the corner of trying to make this a part of my lifestyle to now it I, I genuinely feel like I want this and and it's not even like need it. It's like I want this every day. You know, even if it's just eight minutes. Right. I want that. And that could be part of the iteration of just you have to spend enough time iterating something, right? Well that goes into habit formation. So for the past ten plus years, I've kind of dipped in and out of having having a physical fitness routine. And I know once I get going again, so there were times where every other day I would run minimum two miles. Mm-hmm. And once I got it going for a couple weeks and it was that day to run, there was nothing that was going to stop me from doing it because that's all I wanted to do because I started looking forward to it. But the habit had been formed. And now I don't run often and I'm not as inspired to when I have some free time say to myself, going out and running for a couple miles is a great idea. Are you looking for that again? I, cardio, yes. I don't know running necessarily, um, but part of that has been just like knee pain. Sometimes when I get to the one mile mark of running, and is that, that is that something that as as you've explored the why to your shoulder issue, have you done that with Boris, who you work with, with your knee? Because the knee's been something yeah. that's been persistent for a very long time. Yeah, we've kind of explored that. And so my friend Boris, he's a physical therapist, and I meet with him once a week. I actually teach, give him drum lessons. We did that earlier today. 
so I give him a drum lesson, and we do this kind of physical therapy session, but also that uh, kind of goes deeper into just emotions and how they're stored in the body and just the energy levels and the level of like fascia in the body. And he has these more unique models of perceiving the body and the, the body system where he'll be like, oh, your left knee is causing pain. Well, let me check out your right hip, things like this. And obviously I don't know exactly what he's doing, but he'll start hitting spots and I'll feel the connections just like I would do acupuncture. And, and I'd say I have neck and shoulder pain. And they're like, okay, well, let me throw this needle in your middle toe on the left foot. Um, but yet there is a science to it. Um, I've kind of explored the knee issues, but I not enough in the sense that I'm dying to go run. You know, now we've all kind of worked out a bit, and I've done some training with you. You've and done the four six with us. I've and done the four six. Matt has been training in the interval sense of that stuff. Not necessarily. I don't think you get down as much with these compound, big, strong power lifting movements. But I know you'll get down with some of the interval stuff we'll do with the alternative methods of training with steel maces and kettlebells and the sandbag. I know you like the sandbag. And I know that you also... Why do I like the sandbag so much? Uh, because you respond really well to anything that is super, super like like visceral and you can emote true, a ton. True. And in that, I always tell you, you got to drive as hard as you can. And generally, one of the sandbag moves we do is we do these these really like over-the-top pick-up and dump it over your head as hard as you can. And you get low. It's almost like you're squatting down into it. And you drive with all this hip drive and all this emotion as you shoot up off your toes and you shrug up and you get up high enough and you take it to the ceiling almost in, if, if anybody knows what a snatch looks like. And then you just dump that shit behind you and you get a big wave of emotion that comes out of you. And that is some of what we talked about in bioenergetics of just getting the body to just be energized and release and emote versus what we talk about sometimes is that a lot of people in this in this world are, are telling you to be quiet and calm down and you know be a good boy and all these things of like depress and take it all down versus let that shit out and we do a lot of that. And that makes sense. And that's why I mean I have plenty of self-awareness of why I was attracted to beating the shit out of a drum set versus strumming on a guitar and why I love pro wrestling since I was a little kid because it is that big expression of aggression. Right. How can people do that? Like, because I, I get what you're saying. Like, yes, when we lift the bag, it's not just like eh, casually thrown over our heads. It's like get down low, breathe in, pick it up, let it out, go. You know, that's what it's like. But if you don't have a bag or like, I, I don't know, I guess my question is, can this be used for stress relief if you're just in a room? By yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, and but uh, but like, does does that make sense? Like, what do you do? You yell, scream, yeah, jump up so, and down. So, like, um, and I think this is classically like what the when people do this bioenergetic, uh, I, I don't even want to call it a workout, but but just this uh, exercise. Yeah, exercise. Sure, this exercise of bioenergetics. I've seen people go through, and I believe there's five stages, something to the tune of where you're just jumping up and down, kind of bouncing as if you were jumping rope, but kind of staying in place and without the arm movement. You're just bouncing to get the body moving. Um, there's a portion where you start grunting and you try to get that almost like when people meditate and they do an ohm and they're trying to really reverberate the body. You're trying to take that low. So you're waking up, maybe there's chakra lights going off or you just, you're going to feel something on the inside. Just leave it at that. Try it. Um, 
from there, you're gonna, there's, there's a portion where you're gonna really try to open yourself up with this really aggressive deep breathing, taking it in and letting it out. If you've ever gone to a yoga class or you've taken a, a fitness class or something where, where everybody is doing something together, but you start to realize that to make everyone feel more comfortable, to emote even more or to express even more, the, the teacher is really putting it on. Mm-hmm. Be that way. Be as expressive as you can be and start to ah, let that, I mean, let it out. The same way when you see, if, if anyone has ever seen it, I feel like a lot of people have seen this, when Conor McGregor weighs in and he makes that weight and he cuts 30-some pounds in the UFC and he lets out a primal, visceral, gorilla growl, ah, that crazy, you know, let it out like that. Or look up look up something that we look to, Wim Hof, like W-I-M-H-O-F, and practice a little bit of his breathing technique, almost to the point where you're breathing out so much that you get lightheaded and winded, and it's all right. You'll get it back. Don't worry about it. You'll slow it down and get back. Um, and then you'll, you'll get into... Uh, you know, like, uh, maybe the, I'm trying to remember the, the fourth or fifth step. I know that I think the last step is where you just kind of like stand there with, with thinking of like the open heart and, and, and just, yeah. And just feel everything and just let it be. Cause you're, you're pretty much creating a, a wider container for your energy. The idea is that right. you're moving the energy bio energetic, right? And now, yes. and kind of standing firm in it, you're really trying to let it integrate and get a sense of this new container that you've expanded for yourself. I think a few reasons why it can be really scary for someone or just awkward or weird for someone to try this stuff is just judgment. So you're gonna judge yourself and probably more likely you're in fear of judgment of other people. So in these sessions I've done with Boris, uh, this past week I have like a fucking tennis racket and I'm just smashing this pillow over my head um, and like making these declarations of the ownership of my energy and my body. And when I started doing some of this stuff with him, it I was kind of like locked in fear of judgment. And it's like, well, this is just weird. I haven't done this before. And uh, to his credit, as a professional, walking me or facilitating me through, uh, he's helped develop a lot of trust that I can feel dumb or try new things that may be scary or awkward. And... I know with Justin, he and I have done some stuff working out and really getting into just grunting and stomping and screaming. screaming. And I've encouraged him to do it with some of his other clients. And it seems like slowly but surely some of them are more open to it. Uh, but I remember you were down here with Ryan working. I was going to talk about the same story. Yeah, go and, for it. And I hear you guys just screaming back and forth. Um, and it was probably one of the first times he's ever done something like that. Yep. And I'm upstairs hearing you guys. So I hear maybe Ryan scream, you scream, I'm upstairs, I just let it rip. And in that way, it was like affirming that this can be normal behavior. And if anything, it's like, good for you to try that. Right. Because as you said, like if we don't express it, then we just depress it and it just stays within us. And energy that just becomes stagnant and stored is just gonna turn on ourselves. So whether that we, like our behaviors are shitty, like addictions, um, or we just slip into a depression, um, more mood-wise, like the energy needs to move and be expressed. Yeah, um, I thought the, it was kind of cool. That was maybe one of my favorite moments of training. And, and you, to your credit, you were the one who said, yeah, man, like 
and this is kind of how you said it, you were like, yeah, create that space for people. And I'm sure that's something that consciously or subconsciously, the best teachers that are out there are doing this for their students. 100%. They are trying their hardest to create a space where you can feel like you can do whatever the fuck it is you want to do. And that's awesome. And I try to do that. And obviously, it depends on the person's personality. And that's where the psychology of business comes into it, where you really have to be able to read and know your audience. If you have a cookie-cutter plan, like if you showed up or Matt showed up, Jordan or Matt, pronouns, right? If Jordan or Matt showed up or I showed up to do a session with someone or a group of people and you already had the whole entire thing written out. As soon as one new variable gets introduced, you are screwed. Yeah. But that's a boring way to teach. Well, for sure. But that's, and that's the stuff that hopefully as educated consumers, as our generation is getting becoming more aware and more skeptical, a healthy sense of skepticism, not having too much where you just think everything is awful. Well, here's the thing, though. There, as much as that is a boring way to teach a one-on-one kind of, you know, session or even a small group, when you do a a clinic or like, for me, like when I do drum clinics versus when I teach privately, it's a very, very different thing. Or if you're teaching like CPR. Yeah. or It's good to have a standard approach. No, of course. It's a little bit more by the book. But I think we're talking about, you know, teaching uh, body... Uh, what what do you call it again? What's this? Bioenergetic. Bioenergetic. Yeah, we're te- if we're teaching bioenergetics, I'm sure there's a path. But also, the thing that is really subjective is okay. How ready are you to open up? How guarded are you? What kind of shit is going on? Those are all things you have to ask questions to find out. I'm sure you and Boris have had a lot of conversations about the things that are truly, uh, you know, issues for you, and then that determines the path that you go, mm-hmm. right? When you work with me, you're like, okay, what ailments have you had in the past? Like, what, how does your body work? Do you know how this feels versus this feels? You ask me, like, are you warmed up? Are you tight? You know, it's the same kind of thing. You're figuring out what we can do for that day. It's not like you know that I'm coming and you plan the session ahead of time. And especially with like a new client, if you were working with someone else that's brand new for fitness, You'd have to assess them, right? You have to yeah, ask them. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is, one, making sure that we don't injure them any more than they already have injured themselves or try to look at their patterns and try to break down the bad habits and create new ones that are better because this is all about the long game. As, like, Jeff Blake, who's my coach and has helped me with a lot of the fitness journey, I mean, we're talking about doing this stuff when we're 90. So it's not about just going for broke and looking good while we're young. We're talking about let's create really healthy patterns. I did this with a, with a couple of my students, and it's the most satisfying and gratifying thing I can think of. When I watch them go over to pick up the weight they're about to use, and they squat into it, and they put themselves into it, they're not like, um, they're not hanging themselves over and just using all this like bad back posture, spinal, trying to like, you know, like a, sca- a, a cat who's getting scared, like pick something up from a distance. And I know all they're doing is causing harm to their body versus shoving their hips into it and using their legs and picking it up very safely. When I see that, I'm like, oh, that's it. If that's all they ever learn, then time well spent. And that's awesome. Um, but yeah, again, it has to do with when you have a new client, I think the biggest thing after you get through that stuff is just trying stuff and allowing them, um, giving them that space and building the trust and communication with them and 
allowing them to try a bunch of different things to see what works for them. Mm-hmm. That goes back to like if you're working one-on-one with someone, especially in a physical way, whether it's drumming or music-related or fitness-related, is not having a plan of saying, well, this is what I'm going to teach you. Because, I mean, even if you guys were just doing drumming, there's how many different styles of drumming could you teach someone? And, and if they really don't like A, you could teach them B, C, D, E, F, and G. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, dude, I, you know, teaching is like, it's super fun for me because it's a chance to figure out how somebody else learns and then figure out how to communicate the message as clear and as simply as possible. I love, I love that challenge. And I love, I don't look at teaching as like me condescending to somebody, you know, like I look at it as like, let's work together to figure out the best way for my student to understand this, right? So that they can then go take it with them and then figure out how to put in the work themselves. Because when you teach a drum lesson, that's not the time to practice. Mm -hmm. That's the time to figure out the best way to understand it so you can go home and then work on it, right? But it is funny that you bring up, um, you know, kind of letting go. There's this exercise that I do where I, I encourage my students to clap and then count out loud. And, you know, like when we first start, even though I tell them, be loud, yell. Everybody's like, one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. five, six. They're like, you know, they're super quiet. And I just straight up, I'm like, one, two, three. I'm like yelling at them. Yeah, if you put it on, oh, yeah. they'll feel like, oh, I can let it out. And, and I'll single those people out too sometimes in oh, a group but, setting. But, yeah, so so give con- like more, a- more context to this. I'm thinking you're doing a one-on-one session with a student. This is more like when you're this on is- tour and you have 15 people. That, are, that came out on a random date that signed up ahead of time and they come out and you're warming them up. We're working on in this, if we're talking specifically this exercise, yeah. it's like uh, understanding different meters and polyrhythms and polymeter and stuff like that. Yeah. Which is very relatable to your band. Right, okay. So we'll work on this. And in the group, there's some people that are naturally a little bit louder, but for the most part, everyone's quiet when we start this. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I start yelling and then some people start yelling with me but then the people that are extra quiet i use that as a chance to say okay great everybody good job and then i'll i'll purposely want to single out isolate someone whoever is really quiet but i'll do it with them i'm not gonna be like all right now your turn in front of everybody because they're obviously shy but i acknowledge i say guys who wants alex to do this in front of you right now. Who wants to hear his his beautiful voice? Oh, I man. do. Let's do it together. Peer pressure. And then no, it's not peer pressure. It's <laughs> it's cheering on. It's a it's a it's a it's a cheerleading thing, right? And then when they do it and they realize they can they can make their voice louder, they can actually do the exercise and there's people around, then that kind of breaks breaks them out of their shell. They feel like, okay, when I go home, I can do this. And I did it in front of all these strangers. I can do it in the room by myself and be as loud as I need to to really drill it home. And that's why you do it loud. Like the louder you do it, the more you're kind of drilling it into your own body and through, you know, through your senses. So what you're talking about is a perfect example of what we were discussing just before of you being a leader and creating space. 100%, yes. And, that's what I thought of, yeah. And, and what you're talking about it, like the value is way deeper than learning a, a drum exercise. Of course, of, of course it is. I mean, and sometimes the lessons go that direction, you know, where if it's the right vibe, if the mood is right, you know, I'll even say, and guys, by the way, this kind of thing applies to the rest of your life. Like 
don't worry about what anybody thinks of you. Be loud and be bo- be boisterous if you have to to make your point or or to, you know, be happy. Whatever you got to do, just do it and fuck it. That's you know, it's funny because that brings up. I don't want to. We don't have to deviate yet, but I, I do want to mention there was a question um, in our new suggestion box uh, in our in our forum uh, or our group online on Facebook, I should say, um, that asks about like negativity right? Negativity online, how do you deal with it, right? Um, But that kind of also pertains to like motivation and and staying motivated and all those things. And, you know, when I think about, when I think about like getting someone to come out of their shell, right? And then worrying about what somebody thinks about you, that really can draw somebody back in, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you deal with that? Go ahead. So when I started running a guitar business and basically I was just selling bass guitars. I decided, well, every piece that I get, let me do a YouTube demo of it. And it's interesting because it goes back to <clears throat> starting a business or some kind of, of adventure with yourself where you might not know all the details, but you're just flying by the seat of your pants. And I, all I was using was my camera phone. I would prop it up against something. I didn't have a, a clear microphone. I wasn't using a program to record the audio. I was just using what I knew and not trying to overcomplicate the situation. And so a lot of the feedback I would get is, well, this sucks. You should have better audio and a lot of that negativity. I then would post a video with some really cool old gear that those online did not believe I deserved to own these pieces. Now, there's no context for them. They don't realize that I'm doing this to showcase the instrument in regards to selling it. They just think I'm just doing a demo of the gear that I own. So then the jealousy and the hatred and the animosity and all of these feelings start to just roll out while they're hiding at home behind a keyboard. Because there's no real consequence to just being like, you fucking suck, you don't deserve this. Maybe if your grandfather was playing this gear, we would pay attention to this. I'm like, well, wait a second, you're paying attention to it anyway. And I went on, there was one where I demoed this, this 1959 Fender Precision Bass through a couple different old Ampeg amps. And I literally got maybe 20 thumbs up on YouTube and like 100 thumbs down and four out of five comments were super negative and flat out mean. Did it stop you though? Because no, I was just like, man, like who raised these people? Is this like, like, I'm looking at some of these people and I'm being like, these are like 30, 40, 50 year old people, mostly guys, men. Like, really? You're like, what? But what if it did really discourage you? It, it was, it was enough that I like thought about it because I was like, wow, where is all this coming from? This is, this is, this is awful. Like, what the fuck is wrong with people? But it's how much you give to it and it's, it's how you can compartmentalize that within you. You have to realize where all this is coming from. This is just a poor reflection on them. This is not on me. They're still, I mean, they still watched it. And it's like, you know, I mean, this is like, you know, all publicity is good publicity. Kind of thing, or like all press is good press kind of thing. Like, hey, they're checking it out. I'm making like a residual from, from having an ad placed before it through, through Google, through YouTube kind of stuff. I'm like, I mean, wh- I can't feed into that because if I start to, to feed into all of that, then I'm going to forget why I did this in the first place. And really, part of it was to sell it. And the other thing was just to have documentation for myself of all the pieces I was buying and selling. 
Yeah, that makes sense. But I think you also have a pretty strong mind, and you were very business focused. You know, I do, but I but we're also human, and I'm a sensitive human, and so. For me, a person who I, I got picked on when I was younger, like in elementary school, and I was talking about that earlier, um, and I got picked on in high school, or in middle school, rather, because I was pretty different than everybody else that I went to school with, um, I still feel it. It's still real, but it's then how you end up dealing with those feelings. You can't give everything to everything you're feeling. If not, you're never going to make it out alive. You won't make it out that day. You're just going to spend all your time worrying about everything that you're feeling. And, like, I couldn't read into every single comment that I was getting as if it was life or death or 100% or zero. It's not black and white. It's like, all right, I need to actually contextualize what's going on here and then deal with it and move on and not let that deter me because, like, it's cool. There's haters. The fuck are you going to do? I think part of it is being able to assess how much weight you want to put into each comment. So if it's some random guy from North Dakota that you've never met before... Who's Why North co- Dakota? I don't know. All right. But we should go there and meet this guy. Hell yeah. But if it's the... F- and especially if it's the first time he's ever been on your radar as far as commenting, and it's, uh, it's a critique, but then there's the, the idea of, is it constructive criticism or is it just an insult? But beyond that he's going to have a lot less weight than if it was me commenting on your video. True. So part of it is being able to assess the value you put in where the comment is coming from. And that can determine. But again, I think also a piece is, is this constructive criticism or is it just an insult? If it's constructive criticism, well, then there's plenty of us who could be too soft and could be defensive about criticism that could be beneficial to what you're trying to produce. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing you have to tease apart. Um, I, I could tell for sure that, that the comments I was getting were just straight up flagrant insults. And, then, and, like, then, and then treat it as such. Treat that's it, as such. it, yeah. And, and it goes to, to the idea of it's really just a reflection of who that person is. Right. And it has nothing to do with you. It's just their projection. right? So they could be jealous of you because they want to be able to have that base. They could be jealous of you because they want to be able to have the confidence to make a video like that and make it public. Who knows what it is? They could have just been dumped by their wife and just lash out to everyone that they come across. You really don't know. And if you're starting to take it personally, then all you're doing is guessing. Yeah, I actually, I used something that Matt used yesterday on a comment that came across that we saw, and and I shut it down pretty quickly. Some of the people, it was actually kind of nice that to see some of the community comes and, like, goes to bat for you, and they're like, damn, like, man, don't be so ignorant and rude. Like, like it's, it's just so unfounded. That was cool. Wait, I didn't know. Which part? What are you talking so, about? So, not on yours, but... I did use some of what Matt used yesterday, which is instead of actually feeding into these like hecklers, I just said like, hey man, thanks. I really appreciate the comment. And that was it. You leave it, you know, not open-ended. You just close the door and that's the end of it. Like, hey, thanks. I'm sorry you feel that way. Next. And, And that's a really easy way to deal with those people or just ignore them. That's it, you know. Develop a, develop a little bit of like thicker skin and, and just be able to realize like that's not something I need to spend any time with. I need to just keep focusing on the task at hand unless, like you said, and that's something that we do in our inner circle of constructive criticism. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I always appreciate constructive criticism when it comes through. 
from anybody. That's great. And I think we encourage that. But if you're just going to say you don't like something or throw out a, you know, offhand negative comment about what's going on, or as you said, it's just a projection of themselves, then it just really has no value. Even then, though, I will still acknowledge that person with empathy because I think sometimes those people just kind of want to affect somebody else because maybe they don't any other time, you know, and they know that they're, tr- you know, they're trying to get under your skin. But to, to say, look, hey, look, I acknowledge you. Here's what I'm doing or here's the real thing, you know, or why or whatever it is that they're, they're jabbing at. Like, okay, for example, yesterday someone was just like, I don't like that you posted, what was it? Um, I mean, I can, I can read the specific Yeah, quote, you, but. you posted uh, a nice meme. I guess we'll call it, with a quote from one of these episodes. And the person said something to the effect of, I'm, I'm sorry that... I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that you used this... Topic to promote a podcast. Exactly, yeah. And, okay, I, I can look at that and say, well, one, okay, it's not very constructive because it's not saying, hey, maybe you should think about this. Or, to me, it came off this way. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just wanted to express to you that... That's how it came off. If, if it was expressed that way, I'd be like, damn, that's awesome. Like, thank you for at least drawing my attention to something that others may be perceiving, right? That's good. Mm-hmm. But in the way that it was written, it was just kind of like a, a blank blanket statement. Like, I don't like this. I'm disappointed. And my response was, I'm, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way. That's definitely not my intention. The quote that I was promoting in the meme is a quote from the podcast. And the whole point of me posting about the podcast is to get people to listen to the podcast because it's a truthful, real conversation that we've actually now seen has been helping a lot of people. And that specific post had a lot of engagement right away of people saying, hey, I deal with this too. Hey, I struggle with this too. And then I start seeing others commenting, giving their own feedback of, well, this is what works for me. Yeah. It starts the conversation, which is great. I think in that, it, it's interesting that we're at a point where the feedback, albeit for a, a pretty new podcast, we're getting pretty good feedback, but it's, it's not to the point where we're, we're not able to see most of what's coming across. So that's stuck out. Well, we can see it. And I, 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 look, I'm not mad about it by any means. I think everyone's entitled to their opinion. And again, I'm trying to empathize. And I'm even trying to look at it from his perspective and say, okay, maybe it wasn't delivered the most constructive of, of ways, but is there some kind of validity to what he's saying? And I look at it like that, and I, I strongly don't think there is, uh, but that's because I know my intention with the post. And that's, I think, in this case, what I'm going to go with. I'm going to stand my ground in that I know my intention was pure, and it was strictly out of the want to spread the word so maybe more people could get value from it. And that's what I was doing. It was a purely positive intention. Right, you know? and, and you handled it well. But to go back to the original question, someone could get a comment like that, and that could break them down, and then they could start questioning, well, does everyone feel this way about me? Well, maybe I should stop doing this altogether. And that's why I think really having clear goals or clear intentions or a clear why is so important because when you are going to have adversity, whether it's some asshole just trying to be rude, or you record a a whole episode and the file gets deleted, or whatever happens that 
becomes a roadblock in your goal. If you have a strong why, then that's going to give you enough motivation to keep pushing through. Yeah, like if you have a bad day. Okay, you're an entrepreneur. You're working towards some goals. Let's say you want to sell 10 of your products per day, right? But for whatever reason, this whole week, you can't get past four or five units sold a day. That could send people on a downward spiral of, fuck, like, my product isn't selling. What I'm doing isn't working. Maybe it's really on a downward, you know, on a decline. What, what the fuck? Maybe I should quit. And I think we're, we're seeing this question. How do you stay motivated if that happens? So With your example, all those thoughts could be true, though. So maybe people don't find value in whatever is being sold. But I think the idea is being able to assess uh, more objectively what is working and what's not, um, and also asking for feedback. With your example, it may be a bit harder for me to answer, but I can share my personal experience of trying to build a business where I'm uh, designing and facilitating rhythm-based experiences for different outcomes. And that is a very hard sell because not many people do that in the world. So I get rejected a lot. But for me, I know my why, which is to help uh, people connect more with themselves and with others because that promotes healing. And I know that to be true. I know the value of what I can provide. I don't take it personally when I get a no from someone. And because my why, my conviction is so strong, it's so easy to be like, okay, they said no. It wasn't meant to be with that person at this time. Let me go find someone else that aligns with what I do more. Do you ever ask the question, though, to the people that do say no? If you don't know the answer to this, why did you say no? Because in the instance I was mentioning, we're like, okay, let's say for whatever reason, you're not selling a certain amount of units that you want to hit. Well, there's a series of questions you would ask. Okay, one, is it like a holiday? Is there any reason why people wouldn't be buying said product? Is my marketing on point? Is my marketing stale? Do I need to change something? Right, those are the initial things. But then... You know, if you've gone through all that and you've made changes and you don't know where to go, then it really is, it's asking your customers and asking the people who say no, why are you not buying this? Why are you not into it? So my question is, do you do that part? Do so you get I that feedback? I try to stay ahead of the curve in that pretty much any time I share what I do, I ask for feedback. So sometimes, and I have literally hundreds in my room of feedback forms filled out by people that I've shared my work with. So by doing that, I'm avoiding putting myself in a position where uh, I'm sharing this work that really isn't resonating with people, and then I'm not getting called back to come back a second time to share with that same group of people. Okay, that makes sense, and that's great. And sometimes it's other issues that have nothing to do with my work, and to the best that I can uh, address that, I will. Sometimes I charge too much. Okay. And people can't afford it. And that's fine. Sure. And, you know, and, 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 and that's, we should talk about that. We should talk about pricing and, and stuff like that at some point. It's but tricky. It is tricky. And but scary for a lot of people. It is. But what I wanted to ask, and this really is the crux of it, as much as you can compartmentalize, as much as you know your intention, if you got beaten down all week, one after the other, and you felt unmotivated, right? What do you do 
to recharge or to get back on the horse or to not be hard on yourself, right? Right? How can you be compassionate with yourself after a hard week of no one else to blame for the quote-unquote failure, if you want to call it that, for that week? How do you deal with that? If you know your why, then you'll also realize that to make anything a reality, especially a business, you got to stay the course. And that's really it. And it takes way longer than one week to make something or break something. And to be able to separate yourself, your emotions, your self-esteem from the service that you're providing or the product that you're selling. Okay, I agree with both of those things. I'm trying to get to even more of the bottom of that. Like, what do you do? Like, oh, so a specific... Like specifically... Yeah, so it comes down to, to anything that you can do to make yourself feel better. That could be, I mean, just say, okay, fuck it. So things didn't go well this week. So be it. That's life. It's not always going to go our way. So something that I would do is I would go for a run because I realized that if I run, let's say, one and a half to three miles and I put on my good music and I just get outside, I instantly feel better. And I know from a physiological sense, I know from a mental sense, I know from like a cellular sense why I feel better. And I'm not even going to get into it. But I don't experience much of like the runner's high that people talk about this euphoric state through running, but it just feels good. And it's one of those things that I'll even express gratitude for the fact, like we talked about on episode five, I'll express gratitude to my legs for being able to do this and my body for being able to endure. And that just feels good. And that can get me totally out of my own head and out of my own way and just back to something that feels really good, even if I had a shitty week. I can also go exercise. I can go spend time with my friends. I can do a lot of things where I just feel like I'm emoting and letting this shit out so that whatever I'm dealing with from the week is not just staying bottled up within and trapped within where then I'm just feeling like, well, then everything is awful. What do you do? So one thing that helps me, and I know for people listening to this or watching us right now, it's very easy for people who don't know us personally to assume that we're these super confident guys who have all this success and are never have a bad day. Exactly. And like, that's bullshit because we're human beings. We all have self doubt. We all uh, criticize and are hard on ourselves at times. Um, and we all have failures and sometimes it's hard to bounce back from things. What helps me is to really look back on the successes that I've had specifically with the work I'm doing and that can help build back my container of self-esteem uh, or confidence to say, all these people in the past have appreciated what I've done. The fact that I've been hired to do it with specific companies and specific organizations means that uh, impressive people, in my opinion, really value who I am and what I'm sharing. And that kind of helps recalibrate my personal confidence to adjust and move forward, even in the face of setback. Okay, and let's say that does help you. Like, you go back and you look at the accomplishments and you say, yeah, I hit some really cool milestones and I've done some cool stuff and this is a cool thing and I'm on the right path. You still don't immediately feel like diving back into it, right? You're still not motivated in that moment to work. Yeah, you feel a little bit better, but you're not motivated. So what do you do at that point? No, I'm, I'm asking you, because I think he already said, Justin already said what, what he does. Specifics Jordan. of what do you do to like, just feel good? Yeah, what are you going to do? Like, okay, you've exhausted yourself throughout the week. Mm -hmm. You feel discouraged a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
you've gone through, you've sort of meditated on it, you've thought about uh, all the good things. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're sitting there. Now, what do you go and do? What's like, and it can be anything, but like, what do you go do once you feel good again? Bef- let's say before the next day when you start working again, what do you do between like 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. and like 9 a.m. the next morning when you start to work again? I do the things that make me feel most relaxed and good. So sometimes that's listening to music or playing music. Sometimes that's watching pro wrestling. Sometimes that's talking to someone about how I'm feeling. I think that's probably one of the best things any of us can do because if we just sit with it, then it's hard to make sense of what's within us. So I know uh, maybe a month ago when I was going through something uh, very stressful, you suggested that I just start writing stuff out, and which is something I don't do often, but I found it to be helpful because one, it took the energy within me and got it out. Uh, it helped organize my thoughts instead of just sitting with this tornado of uh, overwhelm. And, uh, and it gave me a sense of control. And I think by talking with someone about what you're going through, that can help recalibrate as well. And just be like a form of decompression. Matt, you're not off the hook. What do you do? Um, I would do a number of different things, but likely it involves going outside, going for a, a hike, walking around in nature, just something outside. I find a lot of peace and solace and like ability to recharge outside with my dog specifically. Like nothing, there's nothing better than, than, you know, spending time with my dog. That's what I would like to do at any given time, any day. Yeah. I think you find Um, peace in that. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, it can be going and treating myself to a good meal. It can be, uh, just, I don't know, hanging out with friends. It's, I think it comes down to removing myself from that situation, which ties into what we talked about in episode three. Even it's like if you're, if you're feeling this lack of motivation and you're going down the rabbit hole, beating yourself up, you know, you have to stop yourself from going down that path and you have to get out of it. And for me, the things that I do in those moments involve physically getting up and getting out of it. It's not just like a mental thing. It's not like, oh, I'm sitting here on my computer and I'm bugging out about GGD and then, oh, no, I'm going to just close that tab and start working on something else. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, you need to close your your computer. You need to clear your head, get up, and go do something. It can be anything. Like, I think you have to remove yourself physically from the situation and go outside. Uh, It's very easy for me to just lay down and I know every time that I do that, I'm going to regret it, to your point, because then I just sit in it, and then I'm creating literal stagnation physically. Um, I think everything that we've all talked about is that we find a way to connect with ourselves in a more deeper way. So away from the work or the project or the setback or whatever it may be, and being able to connect with ourselves uh, more intimately, more deeply, uh, more personally, whatever, whatever it may be. And that is the, the foundation within us. Like we need a strong foundation to withstand setbacks and to withstand insults and all these types of things. And I think the more that you can develop 
that relationship with yourself. And again, this is something that I'm working on every day. Like, I am not really anywhere close to where I'd like to be to have that internal foundation where I can feel completely self-supported. But to my credit, I'm aware of this. I'm aware of my tendencies that don't particularly uh, provide self-support, and I'm actively working on it every day. For me, you know, similar to the point you were just making, I know very well for me, and I usually use the term the downward spiral versus the rabbit hole, probably because Nine Inch Nails is one of my favorite bands, if not my favorite band, so it's a little bit more fitting for me uh, in context. But for me, I know those triggers that will send me down that downward spiral where I just feel like shit. And what I've started to do recently is do this form of a self-care checklist, something that I would challenge you guys to do. So where you decide on a daily basis, what are the simple things I need to do to ensure that I have a good day? And when I lay down at night, I feel good about what I did. So some examples of things that I have on my checklist are things like having meaningful, spending meaningful time or having a meaning, meaningful conversation with Carly, who's my fiance, um, checking in with my parents at least for a couple of minutes just to say what's up and how are you, uh, doing something like 10 minutes of physical fitness a day, maybe spending at least one minute of using all, the, all of my, my minutes wisely as Matt was talking about, uh, we were talking about this yesterday or on, maybe we even talked about it on episode five, um, using a minute to meditate and just sit still you know, just a couple of things that I realized, oh, and, and a really big one that I want to go over is as a person like each of us who works for ourselves, who sometimes I'll do sessions from home or I'll do guitar stuff from home, whatever it may be, and I realize the nighttime falls and I have yet to go outside. And that to me, I know, is a really bad feeling that sends me down a downward spiral that will make me want to go back to old habits of things that just don't feel good. And so in drawing inspiration, I know Matt posted this recently of his morning routine. He likes to go for a drive. Maybe he gets an extra coffee. Maybe he just gets out. And for me, I like to go out, maybe listen to some music, maybe listen to some heavy music and really emote or listen to a podcast and just make sure that I get outside and feel the fresh air. And those are things that as long as I do those really simple things every day, I know I'm going to feel good at the end of the day. And I would challenge you guys to come up with your own self-care checklist and bring it to episode seven and share some things that for you, it just works. You know, I'm going to have a good day as long as I get some of this stuff done on top of the stuff that you know you have to do. I'm down. I'll work That's on cool. it. cool. Yeah. Cool. And it's, uh, this is episode seven. Ah, episode eight rather than. Yeah, we got to do Oh, man, eight. I keep referring back to episode five. It's all. With full transparency. Yes. We're knocking a bunch of these out in the week that Matt is home between his U.S. tour and European tour. Yep. Um, so we will be doing the next episode tomorrow, which will probably come out like a month from now. Towards the tail end of the European tour. And I think tomorrow when we get into the podcast, let's get into what the European tour is going to be like. Yeah. Let's save it for tomorrow. Okay. AKA next week. Okay. Sounds good. Well, um, I got to go, guys. I got to bounce. Awesome. You got to go? You gotta I got to go. I got to train someone. What are you doing? I'm staying right here with, with all three of you. Jordan's going to go on Facebook right now and answer any questions that you might have. Yeah. Do a Facebook Live real fast. Yes. Yes. Jordan's, I volunteer him. Yeah, me too. 
Because you said you didn't have anything to do. So, yeah, you know. 10 minutes, starting at what time is it right now? It's, the uh, first question should be, why are these croissants just sitting on the table uneaten? It's fucked up, I know. Should we Let's do f- uh, full transparency? No, we'll wait for All tomorrow. All right, fine. Dun, dun, dun. All right, so 6.45, 10 minutes with Jordan. See you guys. <laughs>